Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Jonathan. I'm the small groups pastor, and I'm glad that you're here with us, that your phones change the time for you. Isn't that so convenient? And uh, maybe you need a little extra coffee from our Acorn Cafe or brew some more at home, as it feels a little early for me. So good thing we have adrenaline, right? <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, if you are new with us this morning, uh, whether here in person or joining us online, uh, special welcome to you. Uh, we know that if you're joining us, that uh, you're looking to spiritually grow and you're looking to get connected in, in relationships and that we want to do whatever we can to help you do that. And one of the steps that you can take in that journey is to come to something called Pizza with the Pastor. And it's an opportunity for you to meet our lead pastor and other staff, to ask the questions that you might have um, about our church, and you get to meet some other people that are new around here. And the best part, it's a free pizza lunch. There's also salad if you're carb-free, um, and then there's child care for your kids. And so we would love to see you there. That's coming up in a couple of weeks on March 28th at noon. And so just write pizza on your Connect card. And um, we're, you're used to me uh, saying communication card. Well, we've changed the name of that to Connect Card for a couple of reasons. One, it's a little bit more makes sense for why we've changed the name in terms of what, what are we trying to do with that thing. Well, we're trying to help you connect, whether you're brand new or been here for years, and we ask everyone to fill it out, no matter if you are new or been coming for years. Um, and if you've been here a while, it helps you connect in small groups. It helps you connect in opportunities of leadership, different ministries, things that are happening in the life of our church. And the other reason is we've changed the way in which you would connect when you're not here in person. And so we're asking you to go to fiveoaksconnect.org. And so that's a little bit different than normal where we had the texting number. Some things changed about how that works. And so uh, you can either fill out your connect card here and put it in the back um, at the end of the service, or you can go to fiveoaksconnect.org on your phone or click that uh, moment on the online platform right now. But uh, I want to highlight something that's coming up in a couple of weeks, something that we love, something that happens every year, and that is Easter. So we have our Easter service times coming up in a couple of weeks. I wanted you to make sure you uh, know when they are because it's a little bit different. So one of the things to note is we have our Good Friday service uh, that is a unique experience from the weekend. That's a Good Friday experience. And then on the weekend, specifically note the different times on Sunday because all three of those are different than the ones we normally have. And so make sure you can plan accordingly. Uh, also wanted to just note to you that the, um, the 8 a.m. service on Sunday won't have child care and that also is not live streamed. So that's your in-person, no child care option. Um, so make sure that you plan accordingly for that. And it's a great opportunity also for you to invite other people to engage, whether that's here in person or online. Well, um, there's no easy way to do this because I'm the host and the preacher. So let's just go into the sermon. Uh, so we are in a series called uh, Identities. And this series, uh, we've been looking at the idea of how we as a church can sometimes live as identity amnesiacs, that we, we forget who we are. And because we as a church, um, we're not wholly unaffected by the culture, that um, we're actually very well discipled by the culture because the culture we live in is very submersive and pervasive and uh, it's sometimes attractive. And so, uh, but we know that there are these identities that are rooted in God that we forget 
every day. And so we were, we're looking at, uh, I read this long quote last week from the book, The Reason for God, and, and how even when we root our life in things that are good and center our life and identity on those things, those can go awry as well. You know, putting our identity in our spouse, or then we can become emotionally dependent and controlling, or the problems overwhelm us, or put our identity in work where we can become a workaholic and become a boring and shallow, or if, if we lose our job, develop really deep depression, um, or if we center our life on comfort, everything becomes about escape strategies and just feeling good, and, or, or if it's on relationships and approval, that because of that, we are overly hurt by all the criticism we get from people, or we can't confront people and we're actually a bad friend. And so when, when we came to it, we're looking at these, this framework of, okay, so how do we then determine what our identities are? How should we own, what identities should we own, and how do we determine that? And then what are they, and then how do we live them out? Because if we can find these core identities and these unshakable identities and live out of them, we will get to live with greater freedom and intentionality with Jesus and for his kingdom. That's where we want to go. And so, just a, a real quick recap of some of the things we looked at last week, because some of the, the foundations for where we're going to be going today is that we saw very clearly last week that God is the creator of our identity. God is the creator of our identity. And then we looked at, well, then how are we going to look at Scripture, and how are we going to determine together from Scripture um, what identities we should own, and we, I gave a new tool on how we can read and experience Scripture to help us really see the big picture, and it was these four questions. The first one being, who is God? What has He done? Because of that, who are we? And then because of that, what do we get to do? And to help us remember, I said it's the who, what, who, what. Those of you that were here last week, that was the who, what, who, what. Because we saw when we live from identity, it transforms the Bible from a to-do list to a get-to list. And if we find these core identities, to be faithful to our, those identities, we get to be fruitful from them. So we have to be faithful to them so we can be fruitful to them. So that's where we were, and we looked at identity number one, and that first identity was, because God is Father, we are His family. We looked at the idea of adoption and brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and I had said that I'm going to help us remember these three identities very clearly because they're rooted in each person of the Trinity. That we serve a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So that first one was Father, family. And so today we're going to look at those other two identities. But before we do that, we want to look to the scriptures and we want to pray because you're here to experience God. You're joining us to, to hear from God and have Him move in your life, not just to be inspired in a moment, but to be transformed for the rest of your week in life. And so um, we're going to pray, and the first part of my prayer is going to be based off 1 Peter chapter 2, and so I invite you to pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, your word tells us who you are and who we are in you. You've chosen us and called us your own. You've saved us and brought us from darkness into your wonderful light. By your Holy Spirit, reveal your truth as we look to your word. Guide us to a deeper knowledge of you. Teach us to walk in your love and in your light. For your kingdom and for your glory. 
Father, we're thankful for the time that we have to spend worshiping you, learning from your word this morning. We ask that you would be moving in every heart. You would be removing any distractions that are on our mind that are keeping us from focusing on you in this time together. Would you help us to do that? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look at uh, two sets of Scripture from uh, uh, someone in our congregation reading the Scripture. Try to see if you can identify the first one connected to Jesus and the third one connected to the Holy Spirit. Let's watch the Scriptures. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Awesome, just a great set of scriptures for us to look at this week and indicative of this grand plan that God has over across the meta-narrative of all scripture. Uh, and so as we looked at the passage of Philippians, you might have guessed it, that identity number two is that uh, because Jesus is king, we are his servants. We are his servants. You heard that word of him being God and becoming servant because we as God's people have been purchased and redeemed by the one true king, Jesus. And we, so we must look at what it means to embody the identity of a servant, because he being king became a servant. He came to serve, and by doing so, saves us so that we can serve, so we get to serve. You see, God doesn't make us live out the right identity so it can be bestowed upon us and make us lovable, worthy, and acceptable. God loves us and accepts the worthiness of Christ and bestows that on us. So then we can live out Christ's likeness, a life serving the one true king. And I remember uh, seeing this uh, video um, a while back and, and just feel like it really hits the nail on the head with some ways about how Jesus is trying to help us think completely backwards. So let's watch this quick video. The disciples hear Jesus talking about the kingdom of God, and they say, well, in a kingdom, you've got people at the top, and you've got people in the middle, and you've got people at the bottom. A kingdom has a structure to it. A kingdom has a hierarchy to it, actually. They came to Jesus and asked, who will have the highest honor and recognition in this kingdom you're bringing? 
When Jesus responds, he gives us the most counterintuitive, upside down, inside out understanding of true human greatness that's ever been enunciated. Whoever humbles himself, whoever takes the lowest position, like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The world's understanding of greatness is, I have to struggle, I have to compete, I have to win, I have to achieve my greatness. That creates an insecurity in you. And because of that, it means that you, when, when you walk into a room, you immediately filter out the people who can't help you come up. You're looking for people who enhance your credibility. Jesus says the mark of true greatness is you don't screen people like that. You welcome them. You're open to them. Jesus says the greatest in the kingdom is the one who's come the lowest. Who has come the lowest? Jesus Christ, who was the highest, went the lowest. He's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I think Tim just put it so well in there, and I, and I think a way to sum it up is that if serving is below you, then greatness is beyond you. Serving's below you, then greatness is beyond you. And, and you saw how Jesus is flipping upside down. You want to be great? Become the lowest servant. You want to be the leader? Serve everybody around you. You want to be first? Be last. And I'm sure many of you have heard this, like me, so many times, but we need to. That's what this whole series is about, and we need to daily be reminded of these identities that God has newly created us to be so that we can live them out. And, and part of the reason we need daily reminders is because these ideas are counterintuitive and countercultural. They are. They're just counterintuitive and countercultural. We need to be reminded of what God says about who we are so that we can live it out. Because we, we grasped, I think, the idea and the concept. But because it's so counterintuitive and counterculture, for most of us, um, there's a huge gap between the knowledge of this concept and how much I live it out. There's a gap. And part of it is sometimes we just have to recognize the gap and we have to be honest about the gap. And, and there's a way in which we can approach this that Jesus shows us very particularly from one of the hardest parts for him as he had become man uh, on here on earth. And it, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 26. And um, because most of the time, uh, what we see is that there's these grand actions we have to take that they have to be done of my own willpower and my own superb discipline. But, but when we think this way, we're, what am I doing? Well, I, I'm taking the leadership position. I'm leaning on my own thinking and my own strength and putting it on my back. And God's saying, no, I'm the one who does this work. Come to me for your strength, direction, and leadership. Come, come to me. And so let me just show you how Jesus does this so that we can see the model for us. So we're, we're jumping in kind of where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to go to his death on the cross, and you can see that his thought life isn't, I got this, I can do this, I just got to strive, I just got to work hard, I just got to move forward. You see what Jesus does here. So, uh, Matthew 26, verse 39, he says, going a little farther, he, Jesus, fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will but as you will. Not as I will, but as you will. So 
He's giving us the posture of what we're to have. And really, this posture can be laid out in kind of really three simple steps, how to live out this identity. And the first one is to pray. You saw that he fell to his face praying. And in that moment, he's honest with God. Just, this is where I'm at. Could you take this cup? But ultimately, submitting to God's will. Not what I will, but what you will. Now, remember, it is God who creates us and recreates us so that we, when we come to him, he knows every bit about us so we can tell him exactly what's going on, our authentic self before him so he can transform us continually, so he can do that. And another way to look at this, and maybe another helpful way for you to think about this idea, is that we need to transform our lives from being a waffle to a wheel. Now, it might sound like a, a very hard left turn, uh, but you see, when it comes to identity and living out the Christian life, many of us approach it more like a waffle, that we have all these areas of our life and these actions I need to take to kind of sprinkle the areas to be more Christian. Now, last night, a lot of people got really hungry when I started talking waffles and sprinkles, and so it's okay to like waffles, and it's, we're just looking at a different analogy. Anyway, um, but really what God is trying to say here is that you need to see yourself as this new creation, this new identity, a servant of me, a servant of my kingdom, and wherever I take you, you live this way. So putting our identity as a servant in the middle of the wheel, and wherever it goes, that's where and that's who we're supposed to be, instead of trying to do this, and with the waffle idea. And uh, one helpful example of this um, is uh, there's a guy named Andy Crouch. He's a leader in an organization called Praxis, and it's helping uh, entrepreneurs think redemptively about economics. Uh, they're an incredible organization. And um, to help you kind of get in the framework of this, um, he kind of wants to identify three ways of thinking in the world of economics and business and entrepreneurship. And he first describes what's called exploitative economics. So stick with me here, you'll see where we're going. Um, and he describes exploitative economics this way. The people and ventures following the exploitative way do whatever it takes to win. They pursue every opportunity to take advantage, to extract value at others' expense, to tilt and optimize all things in their favor, to leverage the letter of the law, to suppress or amplify truth, to gain an edge. Its doctrine is winning at any cost. Now, you've probably seen that in our world or in movies or whatever, that lived out, the exploitative economics idea. And he's trying to help people move a, a, another step to what's called ethical economics, which you'll probably be very familiar with. And ethical economics looks like this. The people and ventures following the ethical way reject the exploitative and instead seek to do good through their work. They want to address problems, do no harm, operate fairly, create sustainable value, be morally enlightened, raise the bar, win clean, and improve the world. Its doctrine is doing good and doing well. And I went awesome. That's so inspiring. And he goes, but there's one more step we can go. There's redemptive economics. And he goes, let me explain that to you. And he says, the people and ventures following the redemptive way also seek to do good through their work. Yet they are pushing even beyond the ethical, 
even inverting it in places, seeing the world as broken and in need of God's ultimate renewal, recognizing all persons as God's image bearers, worthy of blessing, and knowing themselves as fallen and in need of grace. Its doctrine is creative restoration through sacrifice. And I was so inspired by this idea, and he started to ask some questions. So as you think about where you work or where you're engaged with, he's asking these questions. He said, are you feeling the vulnerabilities of the most vulnerable in the system you are a part of? He said, do you feel on a gut level the difficulties of the hardest job in your company or the lowest paid position in your organization? And, he go, and he's talking to entrepreneurs, and he goes, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs, you're thinking, will I get fully paid by a customer? And when am I going to get paid by them? And he tells this story of this startup design firm that's looking to live out what this means to be a redemptive economic firm, and um, they had this one big customer that was just great for them, and they did tons of work, and this customer was trying to get out of paying for it. And they were just talking and thinking and getting advice from other people. And they're thinking, well, the ethical choice is, we got to take this person to court to get paid. This, this could be life or death for a company because of how much work we put in. But they found out that if they were to do that, that it would force this other person and this other company into bankruptcy. And so they prayed about it. And they felt God was leading them to cancel the debt. Even though it might mean the death of their company. And so what happens is they, they prayed about it, they decided to do it, and they called up the guy on the phone from the other company and said, we're canceling the debt. And the other guy on the phone, businessman, just starts weeping on the phone. And he goes... You know, a couple of weeks ago, I gave my life to Christ. And I was wondering how I could be a Christian and be in business. And you just showed me a path. And it gives me hope. And sometimes when we make that sacrifice, that is what it is. It's a sacrifice. But in this case, what happened is that design firm that made that decision, they went to the brink of extinction but now, years later, they are the most profitable design company in their space. See, when we see ourselves as servants of the king who work as entrepreneurs or work as whatever God has given you and gifted you to do to worship him, that is drastically different than how to integrate God into my business. And I, and I know probably what you're thinking. I mean, those ideas, they're, they're artificially similar and how they live out, but I think they're fundamentally different. We need to move from thinking like a waffle to a wheel, that core identity of a servant. We are servants of King Jesus, and bring that everywhere we go. So that's identity two. So father, family, King Jesus, servants. Third one, our last identity is, because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we are his missionaries. And you might have thought I was going to say ambassadors because of the text we looked at. But missionary, I think, has a more overarching view of the mission of God and what's happening in the meta-narrative scripture. 
So what I want to do is actually use that four-question framework we talked about last week and I reminded us just earlier. I'm going to put it back up. The who, what, who, what. Who is God? What has he done because of that? Who are we? And because of that, what do we get to do? And I want us to apply it to this text, the Second Corinthians. So we'll do a quicker version than we did last week of how we look at this text. So let's first read it again so we can see, as in your mind, think about the who, what, who, what as we're reading through this scripture again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the first thing we want to do is we want to look at, okay, who is God? How are we seeing God's identity represented? And here are the things that I circle. It says, all this is from God. Well, all what? All the stuff that came right before. He's the making the new creation. Ultimately, that's where everything is going, and he's doing that in us right now when we put our faith in Christ. And then he's a reconciler. I mean, if you just think about your own human experience and the stories that capture you, there's something about humanity and reconciliation that is powerful, and God is the author of the best reconciling story there is, adopting us into his family. And then he's committed to us. He's someone who empowers us with something that we're going to talk about here in just a second. So what has he done? Well, I've underlined on the next slide what he's done. Well, he has reconciled us, and he's given us something. He's given us this ministry of reconciliation. And I love this one, not counting people's sins against them. That's something he's doing. When we put our faith in Christ, he's not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed us that message. And down here we see that God's made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. Pretty awesome. So now let's look at our identities that so I put in squares here. Um, we talked a lot about this last week of the new creation. That who, When we're in Christ, we are a new creation. He creates our identity. The reconciliation piece we hit a lot last week as well. The one I want to focus more on is this ambassador idea. Um, that word has such a connotation. We talked about King Jesus and the, the royalty of being an ambassador and that we are someone who gets to bring this most important message, the, most, the best news that there is, thinking of it like a, a letter that we represent the king to whoever we meet with this letter that's been stamped with his seal, with the blood of Christ on it that we get to bring to the world. It's a powerful thing that he makes us as ambassadors. And so what do we get to do? And this is exciting we get to live out the ministry of reconciliation by bringing the message of it. Well, what is the message? Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. We get to give that because he's making his appeal through us. That's what we get to do. That's what's so exciting of looking at it like this in this framework. So as we looked at that text, we see, because we have the Holy Spirit, we're missionaries, we're ambassadors, empowered for mission. And one thought experiment for me when it thinks about, when I think about uh, 
living out and thinking myself as a missionary, a, a thought experiment that someone gave me a long time ago, super helpful, is said, when you arrive in heaven, I wonder if Christ will say, hey, there are others here because of you. You want to meet them? Oh, it just captures my heart uh, so much. And uh, we know that God is a missionary God. He started this mission, and he invites us and empowers us to be a part of it, to appeal to the world through us. And so um, this last fall, we were in a series called Bless. And that whole idea was a series of these practices on how to live out being the identity of a missionary. Seeing ourselves as missionaries and how do we live that out with some simple practices. Um, but before we take a second look at those, um, I was listening to uh, a leadership guru, uh, John Maxwell, and he was telling this story um, about this single woman and buying a pet. And so he said that there's this woman, and she felt like she wanted a pet to have in her home. She lived by herself. She went to the stores trying to decide what to get. She decided on a parrot, and because the parrot can talk, so she has someone to talk to. And she, she buys the parrot, and she brings it home, and when she gets there, the parrot's not talking. And so she goes back to the store and tells the, the store owner, the parrot's not talking. He goes, ah, I know. You need to get a ladder for that birdcage. You know, the parrots love to run up and down, and then they'll be more excited, and then they'll talk. She goes, okay, I'll take the ladder. She brings back home the ladder, puts the ladder in the birdcage. He goes up and down the ladder, no talking. She goes back to the store and says, hey, I got the ladder. She, bird's still not talking. He goes, ah, you need a swing. That's what you need. If the bird swings, it'll be so excited, it'll be talking. She's like, okay, give me the swing. She takes the swing back home, puts in the birdcage, bird swinging. She goes back to the store, and he goes, oh, you're back again. What's happened? She goes, well, the parrot died. And the store owner goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, did he say anything? And she goes, well, actually, right before he died, he said, do they have any food at that store? <laughs> I love that mixture of reactions. There's people that laugh and people go, oh, that's horrible. Um, it's a fake story. It's a parable, okay? It's okay. It didn't really happen. Um, but, but the idea of this story is helping us see something that we can sometimes overcomplicate things. We can make things overcomplicated. And... Um, that's the thing that I loved about the blessed practices. I want to remind us of those so that we can re-engage in what it means to live out the life of a missionary. And so let's look at these blessed practices uh, one more time. And it's, as you can see, it's an acronym to help you remember each of them. And if it's new to you, it, I'll explain right through real quick what they look like. Um, but if they're not, um, just be thinking about how you might re-engage with these if you haven't kept these practices going in your life. And so the first one is to begin with prayer because we know that we need our heart to be for people that are lost and for God to work in us. And we also know that God needs to work in their heart, preparing for these divine appointments for us to be engaged with them. 
And then the next step is to listen with care. These people that you've put on a list that are far from God in your life, you're close to and you're praying for them specifically, start listening to them with care. I think this cannot be underestimated because when we hear and listen to the stories of people in our life, even in the littlest things, it earns us the right to listen when the big things happen. It earns us that right. And then eating together, sharing your life, sharing a meal. We know something special happens when, that, when we do that, when we eat together and we're sharing a life. You're integrating them into the fabric of the life that you're living and becoming real, true, great friends. And then we need to serve in love. That um, This idea helps us see that these identities we're talking about, family, servant, missionary, are not just like three completely separate identities, all a part of this new creation that we are in Christ, and there's tons of overlap. If you think of three overlapping circles, that's the best way to think about this family, servant, missionary idea. And so we get to serve in love. And I think in, when we think about serving people, think about ways in which we serve them that don't make sense. We want to serve them in ways that won't make sense because they'll go, why are you doing this? And it opens a pathway for the last one to share our story. And that's the message of reconciliation. It's, not, it's telling the good news of Christ that we see revealed to us in Scripture alongside the reconciliation story of, of us. And not just when that happened, but what God's been doing in your life in the last week. Both. Because people need to see that. And so, um, when we look again, here are our three identities that we looked at last week and this week. Because God is Father, we are his family. Because Jesus is king, we are his servants. As king, God, he became the lowest servant and leads us in that way. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we are his missionaries. We are empowered with a mission. We've been given the message of reconciliation. And um, there's a, I want to finish with a, a story that kind of, from an earthly perspective, embodies some of these ideas. And it's the ex, uh, example of this uh, military captain, William Swenson. And he and his team um, were overseas with some allied Afghan soldiers, and they were moving into a town where there were some Afghan council members. And um, as they're leading that team in there, there was a crazy ambush that happened on this mission. And they ended up for hours battling back, multiple people getting hurt and dying in the battlefield. And one of these times, um, they're calling in the medevac, and he's bringing in one of these injured soldiers onto the medevac and puts him up onto the helicopter, and he leans down and kisses him on the forehead. And for those of you wondering, this is not normal practice in men's behavior. <laughs> but why would this man do that? Why would he do that? And he was interviewed later about this exchange uh, because unbeknownst to him, it was being filmed from a GoPro camera on the head of one of the medevac soldiers. And the captain said this in an interview. He goes, I wanted to convey to him that I was proud of him and that his fight was over. He had done everything he could, and it was time for him to go. And I think one of the things that this captain did, he, he embodied the identity of family. He saw this man as his brother. 
and showed him that closeness, that love. He embodied the identity of a servant. He was going back into the war zone for him at great danger to himself. And then thirdly, he embodied the identity of a missionary. He was looking to save those that were lost and dead that needed to be found in the war zone. And this captain actually went back four times into the war zone, four times. Um, And he was awarded with incredible um, medals and credentials for this feat. Um, But to be honest, I think when we embody the idea of being a missionary, we embody the new creation that we have in Christ, we also need to recognize that we are also entering a war zone. That there is an enemy that wants our mission to fail. That wants us to fail. That wants our relationships, our marriages to fail. And this is why we need God as the shaper and leader of our identity through and through because he also is the protector and equipper for our mission. The mission of loving people like family, serving the least of these around us, and warring against evil as we invite people to be reconciled to God. So if you are here right now and, and you haven't made that decision, you haven't been reconciled to God, I want to invite you to do that. God sent his son Jesus to come and live a perfect life, to die on the cross for you and be raised again. The power of sin and death had been defeated and then we get invited to be in relationship reconciled to God, adopted into his family. And if you make that decision right now, I invite you with those of us who have made that decision in our life to follow Christ as brothers and sisters to remember what Christ did for us until he comes again by taking communion. Jesus becoming the lowest servant. Dying on the cross for us. Let's remember his body broken for us. And then Jesus' blood shed for us. Let's take. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you went on this rescue mission to come get us. That you sent your Son show us what it means to live like a true human. And that we get to serve in your kingdom. We get to love people like family. We get to invite them. This message that you have given to the world, you entrust us with this message to give it. God, would you help us not be 
apathetic? Would you move in our hearts in the ways that you've reconciled us in so many ways, newly creating us, newly making us more like you? As fuel for the mission. This incredible love that you have for us and this incredible family, this global family that you've invited us into. We love you so much. We pray that you'd help us to live out this new creation you've made us. Pray this in Jesus' name.